Easter. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so Easter meant a little bit different for us. Um, kind of got, got really confused. It's not that my church was, or my church, I didn't have a church because I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Did I mention that? Um, it wasn't that my family was anti-Jesus. I mean, they were good with that. And, and so we, we, we knew that, that Easter had something to do with Jesus, and then they threw some other things in there one time, and, and we used to always get the basket, and um, the, the Easter bunny used to bring the basket, is what my parents told us. And so um, I remember one, one Sunday morning, you know, we got up, and, and I ran in, I looked on our table, and there were no Easter baskets. And so my dad got up, you know, we waited patiently, and, and he came in, I said, Dad, there are no Easter baskets. The Easter bunny didn't come. He goes, oh, yeah, he did. He put them in the car. And so I jumped up, and I was halfway out the door. He says, oh, hold on a minute, son. You're going to need the keys. And I said, something fishy here. <laughs> we know that that is not what Easter is about. Um, Easter, we get together with our families. Uh, we, we, we have all those other fun things that we do. But what Easter is all about Really, the only thing Easter is about is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so that's why we come to celebrate here this morning. Um, I, I remember my dad used to say, have you guys ever do that? You ever say, um, you know, my, my dad used to always say this to me, I'll never say that. Have you ever? And then, and then it's weird, you're grown and you have kids and you hear your dad say the same thing that you said you would never say, only he's not around, it's you saying it. Well, one of those, my dad would say, I'm not going to tell you again. And in my head, you know what I said. Good, because I don't want to hear it again. <laughs> but the fact that I'm standing before you today lets you know that that never came out of my mouth. <laughs> today, as we celebrate the resurrection, the, the, the title that I wanted to give it was Once for All. And, and, and I thought as I was preparing, it's almost as if Jesus said, I'm not going to tell you again. <laughs> I am going to do this once and for all. And, and here's a really weird thing. I don't know if it's just because I, I happen to be a little bit more attuned to it this Easter, or if this is something that we're going to have to deal with more and more uh, in, in years ahead. But twice this week, I talked, well, one, I, I saw a post from a Christian but another one, talking to Christians who don't celebrate Easter. Now, now, I don't mean that they don't do the other peripheral stuff, but they don't celebrate the resurrection. And their purpose, their, the reason is, it never says in the Bible that people celebrated the resurrection. And I'm thinking to the dude who's putting it on Facebook, what are you typing on? There's no computer in the Bible either. And so what I want to really hone in on today and focus in on today is what, what is so significant about the resurrection? Why would we celebrate the resurrection like we do once a year after the Passover? In case, if you didn't know, you know, why does Easter move around all the time? Well, it's based on the Jewish calendar which is based on the full moon and the dog barks. No, I'm kidding. It does have something to do with the full moon, but but it's based on the Jewish calendar, and Easter, or Resurrection Sunday, is always the Sunday after the Passover, because we know Jesus is the Passover lamb, right? He's the fulfillment of everything uh, that, that you see in the Old Testament, the whole sacrificial system. We'll get into that a little bit 
in Hebrews. I was telling Kurt earlier today, I said, you know what, I only have two points and two subpoints. I didn't tell him the introduction was 20 minutes long, so um, not really. But, but I want us to hone in on that because this is something we have to get as believers. And, and if you've never put your faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ, if, if you're here because somebody invited you, we're glad you're here. And I would invite you to listen. I, I, I would invite you to, to, to take this in, evaluate it. We're, we're not told to take anything at face value, um, but, but think about it uh, in, in light of Scripture. But we got to get this right. We, we have to get this right. The resurrection is the hinge pin of Christianity. You understand that? Um, Paul says we're reading, uh, it, you know, it's funny, we, we use uh, Lifeway Southern Baptist material, and you know what? Amazingly, it was on Easter, huh? Uh, okay, well, it didn't shock you at all. <laughs> Somebody planned that out. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians that if Christ hadn't risen from the dead, then our faith is futile. We above all men. If we hope, for, hope in Christ only in this life, then we above all men are most to be pitied. So let's jump in. Let, let, let's back up just a little bit to Friday night. Jesus is on the cross. Uh, we, we celebrated Good Friday. We, 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 we kind of left. Well, we, we put him in the tomb, I think, before we left on Friday night. But, but Friday night was all about looking toward the cross and what happened on the cross. So let me just, I'll just mention this to you quickly. Uh, first of all, if you want to understand what the resurrection is and the significance of the resurrection, then you need to understand the significance of the cross. And on the cross... We need to understand what his death accomplished. Because it wasn't, he wasn't just a martyr. People die for us all the time. We have, we have some who are in the military here. Uh, and, and thank you for putting your lives on the line for us. Uh, that is, Jesus said, no greater love has a man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. We have first responders. In, in the past, we've had law enforcement and, and those people lay down their lives for us, and, and that is the ultimate expression of love. And, and we are grateful for that. What Jesus did for us on the cross goes far beyond simply laying down his life for us. Jesus, in John 19.30, it says, When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. What Jesus was talking about then when he said, it is finished, not like I'm done physically, but what he was to accomplish on the cross was done. That is, that God made him who knew no sin to become sin, and then God poured his wrath out upon Jesus on the cross. When he said, it is finished, what he was talking about was our salvation was paid for. The price for our sin was paid. Now that amazes us. And that's where we're going to pick up today. Let's jump into Hebrews chapter 9. If you've got your Bibles, open it up. By the way, if you have the version Bible, you can look on events, and I have the notes on there for you. You can click on that and save it. Hebrews 9, beginning in, in verse 24. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. 
For then he would have to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed to man once to die, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So, so here in a nutshell, here's your, here's your, your first sub-point. You already got your first point. Here's your first sub-point. We're halfway there. Ready? Jesus dealt with sin once for all. That's what he accomplished on the cross. Amen is right. He dealt with sin once and for all. See, the, the thing is, in the Old Testament, God set up this system for them. And what it was was basically, it talks about this in, in Romans chapter 3, uh, right around verse 23 through 26, that, that in former times he, he looked over sin. That is, he put off the judgment for sin, and that's his mercy. God could have been fully justified in punishment for sin when it happened. But, but in his mercy, he put off the punishment, the payment for sin. And in the, the Old Testament sacrificial system, time after time after time, I can't imagine what it would be like to, to, for the high priest, he would go in Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. He'd go in once a year and make atonement for all the sin. And then in between, all the people that have to make the sacrifices for sin. And, and there were a lot of different kind of sacrifices that they would have to make. And it, was, uh, it, it wasn't really taking care of the sin. God was putting off the punishment for sin because that was reserved for Christ on the cross for those who believe. But it was a continual reminder that that's not enough. That's not enough. That's not enough. That year after year after year after year. They were reminded that the sacrifices that they were to offer on the altar weren't enough. Even the sacrifice that the high priest would offer once a year on the altar in the Holy of Holies where only he could go, where the presence of God was to reside, that that wasn't enough. Over and over and over again. They were reminded that that was not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. When Jesus came, it was enough. Jesus put an end to sin and death. He dealt with sin once and for all. I don't know about you, but that, that does a lot for me. Because Jesus paid fully for my sin on the cross. Then, then I can stand firm, and, and for those who believe, you can stand firm on Romans 8.21 that says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Why? Because Jesus took it all. It's not talking about condemning like we condemn, and, and you know how we, we tend to... Well, hopefully we don't, but how people tend to slander people and put them down and make, make judging and condemning remarks. That's not what Paul's talking about, Romans 8.1. He's talking about the condemnation, the wrath of God. There's none left for those who are in Christ because Jesus took it all. It says, and he appears before the Father. For the one who made the payment for sin, he stands before the Father and says, Father, I've paid for that sin. It says he dealt with sin. 
He said, not, nor was it to offer himself repeatedly. That, that was a copy. That was a shadow of things to come. Jesus is the fulfillment of that sacrifice. He said, but as it is, he has appeared once and for all at the end of the ages. We all say that we live in the last days, and that's absolutely true. And we have been living in the last days since about A.D. 30 or 33, depending on where you put the timeline of Jesus' birth. This is the last age. And he appeared for all, once and for all at the end of the ages to put away sin. By the sacrifice of himself. He is the fulfillment of the sacrifice. He is the propitiation, the full satisfaction. I just love saying the word propitiation. It takes a little work. He is the propitiation, the full satisfaction for God for our sin. He paid it all. There's none left for us. Then there's something that he says here. In verse 27, 28. But he will return. Just as it is appointed for man once to die, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Now that should have gotten a few amens. Are you guys ready? Are you? There are some days I am way more ready uh, than others. I look around at the students in here right before that big test. Jesus, if you want to come back today... That's all right. He will appear a second time, but this time not to deal with sin because he already dealt with it. This time, he's coming to save those who eagerly await him. That's why Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4, one of the, by the way, this may very well be the oldest saying in the New Testament. Because the way Paul writes it, this was something that they were already saying. It was something that that was already being repeated and handed down. That Jesus died on the cross according to scriptures. That he was buried. And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then he appeared. He appeared to Peter. And, and the rest of the disciples. And then over a period of 40 days, that's about six weeks, Jesus appeared at one point to more than 500, some of whom Paul said were still alive at the time that was written. What Jesus did on the cross was he dealt once and for all with our sin. But that's not what we're celebrating today. I mean, that's, that's cool enough. But the reason we celebrate the resurrection, what does the resurrection mean? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? You want to have a fun conversation with somebody this week? Do you want to? You should do this. Um, uh, go, go to one of our drinking holes around here. It's best around 11. Their uh, tongues loosened up a little bit. I'm 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 not being serious with the. Don't do that. We'll have to dispel all the rumors. But just just have this conversation with somebody. Just say, what do you believe happens to a person when they die? What what do you believe happens to a person when they die? 
And, and then after they tell you that, say, so what do you believe is going to happen to you when you die? But because almost everything in this life has to do with death somehow. You know, um, what, YOLO. You know what YOLO means? Some of our teens do. You only live once, right? Um, get, get all you can. Uh, back in my younger days, go for the gusto. I think that was a beer commercial. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, younger days was before 15 for me, just so you know. But, but death is the thing that seems to haunt people. And, and what Paul is saying here is that here's what the resurrection did. The resurrection now causes us to say, Oh, death, where is your victory? <laughs> oh, death, where is your sting? And then Paul explains it a little bit. The sting of death is sin. And what that means is the reason that death is so foreboding, the reason that death is so scary is because it is appointed to man once to die and then judgment. And, and even people who say they don't believe in the God, there's just something in them that knows that something bad happens after death if you're not a believer. For, for some of them, say annihilation, you're just gone, that's it. I don't, they don't live that way, so I don't think they really believe that. Or you get a second chance. If that were true, we'd all come back as crickets or whatever we hate the most. Um, I'm, I'm not going to go there. The sting of death is sin. And then he says the power of sin is the law. But, but here's what the resurrection means for us. It means that Jesus has victory over sin and death. If Christ were crucified and if Christ were laid in the tomb and then the third part of that saying that Paul gives to us never happened, that he was raised on the third day, then we wouldn't know. There's, in fact, I don't think there's anyone that would believe that he had victory over sin and death if there was no resurrection. They would say that he was, that, that he was crushed by sin and death. That he was overcome by sin and death. But when Jesus raised on the third day, and the reason I, I explained that to you, that here's what we kind of think sometimes is, is that, that Mary and the other Mary, I just love the way the Bible puts stuff sometimes, Mary and the other Mary, this is my brother Daryl and my other brother Daryl, <laughs> my sister Mary and my other sister Mary, that Mary and Mary went to the tomb and then Peter and John went a little bit later. And, and, and if we're not careful, this is, this is what we'll think. And, and, and actually, we could help people come to faith by just explaining a little bit to them. But, but here's kind of the idea that they went, the tomb was empty, the disciples went, the tomb was empty. And by like midday that day, they're like, oh, hey, look, Jesus raised from the dead. Where is he? Oh, he's gone. Just have to take our word for it. And you could probably get 15 people to conspire for something like that truth is that there were many, many people who saw the risen Lord physically, bodily, wasn't a spirit, 
when he told Thomas, put your finger in here. There was a hand with a hole. Here, here, put your finger in here. There was a side where the spear had been, been put. And, and had Thomas had the courage, I wouldn't have, um, he could have stuck his finger through there. I mean, you talk about a magic trick. Any of you ever seen anybody do that? It'd be real. For 40 days, he appeared. Paul wanted us to understand That the resurrection is the proof that he has victory over sin and death. And, and listen, it doesn't bother me one bit to not find anywhere, uh, you know, the last book, Revelation, was written around 95 AD, close to the end of the first century. It doesn't bother me one little iota it's a, it's a Hebrew term. <laughs> it is, for real. <laughs> it doesn't bother me one little bit that there's no mention of them celebrating the resurrection in here. <laughs> because I know they did. And even if they didn't, <laughs> it wasn't very long in church history before they started celebrating the resurrection. That's why we meet on Sundays rather than Saturdays. Because this is the day that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead to prove that everything he said was true. We celebrate the resurrection because that is the hinge pin of Christianity. And Paul said it. Let me read it to you again. For I deliver to you as of first importance. In other words, he said this is primary in our faith. What I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, that is Peter, then to the twelve, then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, His brother. I think James needed a personal audience with his Risen Savior, Lord, brother, half-brother. And then Paul says, then to all the apostles. Let me ask you something today. Because I know when I say things like this, that your sin has been paid for. There are times where you say it doesn't feel like it. And when I tell you that Jesus came and He was the sacrifice once and for all for your sin. And what Scripture says is He made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Him. And when you hear things like that, you may be saying, I don't feel like that. Could I just ask you something? You don't have to answer out loud. I just want to clarify that. Have you ever come to a place where you've trusted in Jesus to save you from your sin? Have you? We may have some people in here that said, man, I tell you what, um, my sister told me that if I would come to church, she would buy me dinner. And that's why I'm here. I am glad you're here. And men, if that's what it took, good for her. 
That's what I'm going to do for my sister when I get to go visit. I'll say, I want to take you to lunch if you'll go to church with me. And if that's why you're here, that's great. Maybe you've been coming to church for a while, but you, you can't say, you know, you can't say with any amount of certainty that, yeah, I have trusted Jesus to save me from my sin. Let me tell you, there is no better time than today. On Resurrection Sunday, the day that, that the hinge pin of Christianity is being celebrated, that Jesus died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. This is the best day of all to say, you know what? Jesus, I trust you to save me from my sin. There's no magic prayer. There's no handshake. There's no dance. You can dance afterwards just because it, well, it's a Baptist church. But, That's right. but we'll still let you do it. It's that you simply believe that is you trust in Jesus for your salvation. There's no other way. He's the one who paid for our sin. He's the one who is now uh, interceding for us before the Father. He's the only way. Today's a great day to do that. But for those of you who say, you know what, I know I have. I know that I've trusted Jesus for my salvation. Let me ask you this. Are you still trusting him? That's not that you have to trust to hang on to your salvation. That's, not, that's a done deal. We kind of talked about that already. There's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ. Why? Because Jesus paid for it all. But let me ask you, are you living day to day trusting him? to change you and make you into his image. Because if you were to say, you know, I, I trusted at one point, but man, I just don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like I'm being made holy. I don't feel like I'm becoming more like Jesus. And, and you told me that all my sin is paid for, but man, I still got a lot. The Bible calls that part of salvation sanctification. That is where you're being made into the image of Jesus. But by the way, let me just throw a nugget out there for you. This is for free. God didn't leave you here so you could be happy. This life isn't so that you can be happy. Some of you are really disappointed. For those who believe, we are here now so he can make us holy. And you're like, oh. Your marriage isn't supposed to make you happy. It's supposed to make you holy. Having kids isn't supposed to make you happy. It's supposed to make you holy. Working isn't supposed to make you happy. It's supposed to feed you. No, I'm kidding. It's supposed to make you holy. God uses everything in his life to change us and make us in the image of Christ. All right, that was for free. But let me challenge you today. Whether you've never come to faith in Christ ever, or you have, let me challenge you today to go before God and say, you know what? God, I still need you to save me. I met the Lord in 1982, July 14th, 1982. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't need to come before him and say, Lord, save me, would you? Would you save me from my sin? Would you redeem me? Lord, there's still some areas in my heart that, that I just need you to come in and redeem those. Lord, I need you to redeem some areas of my mind. Some of you may say, Lord, I need you to redeem my tongue. Um, 
By the way, you, you'll know if he's done that. What you need to do is go out and just smash your thumb with a hammer. You'll know. Because what's inside comes out when you get squeezed. Salvation is for all. The invitation is huge. But it's only through one, and that's through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, today, I, I just ask that, that, first of all, God, that you would just give us a little bit better understanding of what it is that you've done for us through Jesus on the cross. And, and God, I know that sometimes we, we go to church and we, we just feel like we have guilt that's heaped up on us. And Lord, I don't want that to happen today. Holy Spirit, I pray that if anything that you would convict, and, and that is just simply that you just make us aware of the areas of our life that you want to work in. And if there's someone here who's never come to faith in Christ, that God, you just draw them to you. But God, I pray that today that we would understand the freedom that comes through Christ on the cross because of what you've done. You've come to save us from our sin. And that's the reason we can say, death, where is your sting? Death, where is your victory? It's gone. Because the sting of death is sin. Jesus, you paid for that on the cross. And the sting of sin is the law. and, And the law demands punishment for sin. And Jesus, you took care of that on the cross. And that gives us freedom now to walk in you. Freedom to live in you. Freedom from sin. God, we just want to say this morning, thank you for salvation. Thank you for redeeming us. God, I just pray that you'd help us to walk in that day by day. Help us to live like people who believe in a risen Savior and Lord. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.